0: This is the InFocus podcast from The Hindu. Hello and welcome to The Hindu's In Focus podcast. I'm Amit Barua, your host for today. The Quad has met in person for the first time in Washington, and Prime Minister Narendra Modi has had his first bilateral meeting with US President Joe Biden too a detailed joint statement was issued after the quad meeting that detailed cooperation on a range of issues including tackling terrorism afghanistan and myanmar while talking of increasing cooperation with asean nations the c word or china was missing from the 17 para statement issued by india the united states japan and australia but make no mistake it's all about dealing with china china itself has described the nation quad grouping as a clique and also hit out on the eve of the meeting at India for triggering the deadly June 2020 Galwan Valley clash. To discuss these issues, I have with me Suhasini Haider, the Hindu's diplomatic affairs editor. Welcome to In Focus, Suhasini.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much for having me on, Amit.
0: So, Suhasini, my first question What do you make of the joint statement that's just come out uh, from Washington following the Quad summit?
1: Right, So there have been two um, joint statements, actually, that came in quick succession. One was from the Quad uh, itself, uh, issued by the four leaders, U.S. President Joe Biden, Indian Prime Minister uh, Narendra Modi, and then the Japanese Prime Minister Shuga, as well as the Australian Prime Minister Scott Morrison. Um, And then there is the bilateral joint statement that the two have also issued, which is about the India-U.S. relationship for global good. Um, the truth is, actually, Amit, there is a, a lot of overlap between those two joint statements. Uh, essentially, yeah, some of the language
0: is quite similar. Some of the language also The is language, in
1: fact, on things like Afghanistan, on the Indo-Pacific are quite identical. But the truth is that when it comes to the Quad statement, uh, it has to be seen not just in terms of the India-US relationship. It has to be seen uh, in terms of three other uh, uh, parameters, I would say. Uh, One is certainly the fact that this is the first ever in-person leader summit of these four leaders. So what they put out after that meeting, after having actually held also bilateral uh, talks with each other, is a much clearer picture of where the Quad is headed. What are the main issues for the Quad? The second part where it has to be seen is, I think, in the context of the recent announcement by the United States of a new alliance for the Indo-Pacific, that of AUKUS, Australia, UK, and US. This has caused some uh, consternation. It has actually uh, received some support from around the world. India has remained noncommittal from it. But the truth is that the announcement of an alliance in the Indo-Pacific, between what are really treaty partners, they don't have the same kind of misgivings about using tough language on what you call the C-word. Um, they they are willing to talk about a nuclear partnership in the um, in the Indo-Pacific uh, uh, for nuclear submarines to develop nuclear submarines for Australia. This is something U.S. and U.K. will do. Um, so it's it's a lot less shy, if you like of these very tough issues in the Indo-Pacific region. And the third parameter I would use is to see the language compared to what was the language when the ministerial meeting happened in the previous administration. So in other words, how does the Biden administration's view of the Indo-Pacific, which we are finally seeing, you know, uh, crystallized, if you like, after this uh, meeting, compared to the Trumpian view, of uh, the Indo-Pacific, and and you you pointed quite correctly to the fact that the language is a lot more diplomatic, that they are now focusing much less on the hard security terms that they were using previously, uh, and in fact, are talking much more about the the global good kind of terms, the countering COVID, climate change, dealing with critical technologies, dealing um, with supply chain resilience, uh, dealing with uh, infrastructure financing for Indo-Pacific countries. Now, each of these has a component, if you like, of saying that this is a, a is a common forum that does not include uh, China, and in fact, many of the parts of it are aimed at uh, uh, perhaps deterring China from taking you know unilateral actions in the Indo-Pacific region. Um, but but the truth is that these are essentially being seen as a much A more softly couched version, if you like, of what the Quad had originally uh, seemed to be heading towards.
0: So, Swasni, uh, the statement, uh, the Quad's joint statement also says that leaders and foreign ministers will meet annually, while senior officials will meet regularly. So, does this mean like a step up in their cooperation?
1: Oh, absolutely. In fact, the first meeting itself was a step up, something they have not done since um, really 2004, when the Quad originally was uh, envisioned by the four countries as uh, not so much about democracy and Indo-Pacific as it was about uh, really, uh, uh, you know, humanitarian assistance, disaster relief, uh, and, and and really working together maritime exercises in, in this region. Um, the fact that they are having annual summits, is going to mean that there is a new reason really for these four leaders to come together, to engage with each other. Um, and, and you know, in much the way that India does have these annual summits with other leaders as well. Uh, they they uh, also have um, uh, engagements which perhaps are not working as strongly these days, but things like the RIC where uh, foreign ministers meet or uh, the SCO summit that we just saw Prime Minister Modi attend Uh, which was uh, hosted by Tajikistan, but includes Russia, China, Pakistan, now Iran as well, and Central Asian countries. Um, So, yes, this is definitely a a step up towards more cooperation within the Quad on the issues that they have spoken about.
0: After its uh, hasty departure from Afghanistan and some would say loss of face, The United States uh, today needs partners to carry greater weight on the global stage. Uh, Is that the role the Quad will play for the United States, you think?
1: Well, I think it comes to two parts. One, as you pointed out, that uh, after the manner of its pullout from Afghanistan, I I think the U.S. needs to show. Because after all, if the U.S. uh, uh, new administration of President Biden came in saying We want to show that America is back. And actually what it will be remembered for in the past year is actually, as somebody pointed out, uh, all we are seeing is America's back uh, for the pullout from Afghanistan, also from Iraq. Then this is a way, the Quad becomes a way for the U.S. to show that it remains engaged in international issues. It has decided that uh, the imminent threat for uh, the for global stability and for the U.S. in particular, according to its own officials, will come from China. And uh, there is a push now to see how they can find more cooperative mechanisms in this region in order to deter China, uh, as I said. Uh, I think that another part of this is also that the U.S. is um, showing that essentially it is not looking for the kind of interventions that it has been part of in the past. You know, President Biden has said this himself, that the pullout from Afghanistan is as much a message that America is done with the business of nation building, it's done with the business of interventions for the idea of regime change, at least that's what he said. Um, And and the idea instead that it wants to work with partners in the region to deal with any threat, uh, as it were. Uh, The truth is that when it came to Afghanistan, uh, the U.S. actually left under a deal with the Taliban. Um, And it uh, it has uh, not just had a deal with the Taliban, it was engaged in very close negotiations with the Taliban through Pakistan and through something called the Troika with U.S. Russia and China over there working together. Um, But the Quad shows that it is now making a break with that idea. It is moving from this uh, continental conflict, which clearly it has not ever really seen uh, an advantage in or has been able to have the upper hand on, uh, to a situation now in the Indo-Pacific, which America thinks in the future is going to actually uh, see uh, more of the global focus, more global conflict, as well as global potential. For growth.
0: You referred to uh, this AUKUS uh, grouping uh, and with the U.S. and the U.K. entering into what amounts to a military alliance with Australia by developing and building nuclear-powered submarines. And uh, this, interestingly, uh, came just before the formal uh, Quad Summit. So uh, you, you could perhaps look at it in different ways. Uh, uh, one would be that uh, by announcing this ahead of the Quad summit, they are saying that this is very distinct from the Quad. And the other is you could look at it uh, by saying that this is a return to CETO, CENTO kind of days, you know, in a different, of course, uh, global context. So I, I would really like to know from you what you think of, uh, you know, uh, what AUKUS means uh, for the United States and for the region.
1: You know, Amit, it's really interesting and, and certainly you bring this, uh, you know, you bring the perspective of your experience to it. In a way, it is, in fact, a reversion to those uh, 1950s, 60s idea that the U.S. had of smaller regional groups. Uh, eventually, it was its transatlantic partnership, the NATO, rather than CETO and CENTO that uh, forged through in the in the decades that followed. Uh, but it is certainly very interesting that they are looking for an alliance Uh, uh, which is apart from the quad. Uh, And, uh, you know, and and AUKUS comes, as some people have pointed out, at a very awkward time in terms of coming just a week before the quad. So in a sense, taking away some of the limelight uh, from the quad, the second part to this is that AUKUS, unlike the others, as we discussed, you know, Japan does not actually have that treaty alliance uh, with the US. The US will, uh, you know, it is part of the US's uh, nuclear umbrella, and the US will protect it. But it is not part of the same treaty alliance that Australia is or the UK is. Um, and in a sense, the AUKUS uh, arrangement really does away with the need to uh, to be shy around words on threats on common security goals uh, when it comes to uh, their common shared uh, threat perceptions, because after all, uh, US, UK and Australia are part of the Five Eyes, the intelligence sharing network that also includes Canada and New Zealand. Uh, They are part of many other groupings where they deal very closely together. Plus, they have this very tight security alliance with each other. Uh, So what the U.S. seems to be saying is that they find it comfortable when it comes to security issues to work within this framework. Now, whether it means that that, that they will work less within the Quad uh, framework when it comes to security, that remains to be seen. The third really interesting part to this was the huge outburst we saw from France. You know, the French government going and uh, withdrawing and re- uh, recalling its ambassadors to Washington uh, and to Canberra, uh, uh, cancelling meetings, including one which in, uh, which had India in it, with uh, Australia on defense, with the UK as well. Uh, And eventually it wasn't until the US president spoke to um, Mr. Macron, uh, the French president, and uh, we saw a meeting between uh, the Secretary of State and the Foreign Minister in uh, New York that matters were sort of brought a little under control. But France has made it clear that the damage is done when it comes to the rift between US and Europe by going into this alliance with the UK and with Australia and cutting out France, if you like, of course, France was in the middle of a, a submarine uh, negotiation with Australia itself, which has now been cancelled. Uh, but it also shows up a schism in what was hoped to be a massive Indo-Pacific alliance, if you like, or an Indo-Pacific coalition of countries which would have the U.S., it would have the U.K., it would have the EU in it. They have just uh, uh, revealed their Indo-Pacific policy. It would have, of course, France in it. It would have uh, then India and then Australia and Japan as well. So all of that seems to have uh, made the AUKUS announcement, not just another alliance or not just another trilateral that was uh, put out there by the US, Uh, but it does seem to have evinced fairly strong reactions. And while uh, we have seen commentary around the country in India of how AUKUS might actually prove to be good for India, it will help with security in the Indo-Pacific. At the same time, it'll open new doors for India to do uh, submarine and nuclear negotiations with France. Um, But the truth is that the foreign secretary, when he spoke about what AUKUS means for India, said we have no link with it at all. We are not a part of that grouping. And AUKUS and Quad have nothing uh, in common as well. Uh, So India for the moment is making it clear it will stay away from this controversy uh, and it doesn't uh, see an immediate benefit that they want to talk about.
0: We'll now come to India and, uh, you know, some of the implications. Uh, and we we'll leave for another day uh, uh, the possible proliferation uh, 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 implications of this uh, AUKUS announcement. But to come to India, Suhasini, uh, India, as you mentioned earlier, was, is a part of the Shanghai Cooperation Organization as well as part of the Quad, two organizations that occupy distinct strategic spaces in the world. Uh, In the years ahead, do you think that India might have to choose between these two spaces?
1: You know, that's a very interesting question, and it's coming up more and more, uh, Amit, as we see the impact and and the growth of India's engagement with these two groups. Um, The truth is that both the SCO and the Quad, in a sense, they're just two organizations that India is part of, and of course, India is part of so many different organizations – but they have come to represent the actual uh, multipolar or bipolar world that we are now seeing. You have the US and its allies on one side, you have Russia and China and what seems to be an extremely close clinch, along with the countries they are con- con- you know, comfortable with in the region. Uh, and India is somehow straddling both. It may seem like it is putting its uh, foot in two boats, but, uh, uh, but it is actually st- striving to do that to keep the balance and to continue to engage with both sides the uh, the quad for example is a maritime coalition the sco is a continental coalition the quad brings over countries you know the us uh, and and japan so two supposedly ends of the globe but you know uh, uh, together in the indo pacific and uh, the, the quad uh, and the sco really looks at the region around Central Asia, so all the, you know, four Central Asian countries are a part of it, Afghanistan is a part of it, Pakistan is a part of it, Iran has just been inducted, and then there's Russia and China as well. the interesting thing is that the SEO was far ahead, if you like, on security uh, partnerships in in terms of uh, joint exercises. But these are all land bound uh, bound exercises. Armies essentially in military exercises together on counterterrorism. So it has that contradiction that Indian and Pakistani armies actually take part together in the SEO RATS Regional Anti Terrorism Structure mechanism for military exercises, and the quad, um, while the Malabar exercises are separate from the quad, the, uh, uh, India does take uh, part in ma- maritime exercises, invites US, Japan, and Australia uh, to that. So in a sense, you're seeing these two very separate uh, bodies that seem to have nothing in common with each other, except for the fact that India is a member of both. Can this continue? You know, there are many thoughts out there. And obviously, the most common thought is that as of now, today, India's threat perceptions come from China. They come from Pakistan. At a time like this, it would seem as if India needs to be in a closer clinch with the U.S. and its allies. Um, The other stream of thought, of course, is that regardless of what India's threat is, India can't walk away from its geography and eventually it does have a 3500 kilometer boundary with china it does have to deal with the threat from the over the loc from pakistan and now possibly from afghanistan as well and therefore it is impossible for it to delink in the way a japan or an australia or even the united states can do from uh, the developments in afghanistan it needs to in fact do the reverse it needs to be more engaged than it was Uh, before in the regional structure, since India does not right now have an in into Afghanistan. So the question really, I would say, Amit, is not so much um, will India have to choose. Uh, The question is more, can India actually afford to make a choice uh, between the two of them? Because at present, India needs both. And uh, it is a a significant uh, part of India's strategic autonomy, something even uh, recently we have heard from Prime Minister Modi, we have heard from the External Affairs Minister Jay Shankar, who writes in his book as well, The India Way, that it is possible for India to continue to straddle these two spheres, if you like. Um, we might see small ideas of where the, the choices are going to be made. For example, later this year, India is set to take delivery of the S-400 Katsa missile systems from Russia. This is something that is likely to um, uh, you know, bring in sanctions from the United States, or certainly the U.S. has threatened that there will be sanctions under its CAATSA lo- law against India. And that might be uh, a place where you see India making a choice. Uh, we've already seen uh, you know, India making certain choices when it came to Iran and the U.S. sanctions over there. On the other hand, uh, it, when it comes to dealing with the U.S. on maritime exercises, so far India has stayed away from, uh, you know, contentious regions of the Indo-Pacific, if you like, the South China Sea and so forth. So will India have to make a choice in those? So I think in the next few years, and if not in the next few months, as the U.S.'s own uh, uh, tensions with the China-Russia combine, if you like, because they do work together on a lot of issues at the U.N. as well, um, as we see those tensions rise, it may seem as if this question that you've just asked will become even more pertinent.
0: Because, uh, Suhasni, uh, you know, one of the things is that, yeah, we are straddling these uh, two different uh, groupings, in a sense, feet in different boat. But uh, does it appear to you that India's heart is with the quad and, you know, it, and it's still uh, going along with the SEO, which is, you know, part of the baggage that it carried uh, over from a foreign policy approach that perhaps is no longer valid?
1: Well, a lot of it, of course, comes from the deep tensions between India and China. Uh, over China's transgressions over the line of actual control. The fact is that while India has kept talks going with China, unlike its tensions with Pakistan, where India has completely cut off talks, it continues to keep its talks with China uh, going. But the tensions between them have meant that no other aspect of their bilateral ties can go ahead. So in in effect, it is actually very strange that Prime Minister Modi who has not uh, spoken to Chinese President Xi Jinping on any occasion since the beginnings of the LAC transgressions and then uh, the killings at Galwan? Um, he sits at these meetings for the SCO, uh, for the BRICS summit, um, uh, you know, and and discusses these multilateral issues, discusses conflict resolution in other parts of the world, but they are not discussing it with each other. So there is a basic contradiction right now. In these uh, uh, in these meetings, as you pointed out, there's a certain, you know, uh, like uh, something that has to be done, uh, but is not uh, does not carry the same joy. And I think that is seen as Prime Minister Modi has spoken with his feet. After all, he chose not to travel to Dushanbe for the SCO summit just a week ago. Um, and the SCO summit is was in a hybrid uh, uh, format because of Covid. Um, And uh, President Xi Jinping did not, uh, uh, and President Putin also could not attend in person there. But on the other hand, when it came to the U.S. summit, Prime Minister Modi has made the Uh, the only of his trips outside of the region, in fact, his second trip anywhere since the COVID crisis began, to go to attend the Quad Summit in Washington. He would not have gone to the U.S. had it not been for this uh, occasion because uh, the UNGA is also uh, being held in a hybrid form. Uh, So he has, in a sense, spoken with his feet about what he prefers to do at at this moment. But I think Amit, a lot will really depend on how the India-China relationship Pans out in the near future. We don't see a, a lessening of tensions, if you like, particularly as India continues uh, to feel that China is, uh, you know, has not completed the disengagement process, has not completed the de-escalation process at the line of actual control. Um, so, I- I- if you like, on the SEO side, there is a um, is a sort of um, a necessary a mandated diplomacy that is uh, that is continuing. It has India has not walked away from it yet right now. But with the Quad, there is, as you said, a much more enthusiastic participation.
0: So we'll leave it here for today. Uh, Swasni, thank you so much for talking to the Hindus In Focus podcast.
1: Thank you, Amit.
0: In Focus will be back soon with analysis of the biggest news issues. In the meantime, you can find our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts,